Connecticut Democrats, or Connecticrats, as they have never been called. I'm David Kostek with the Connecticut Democratic Party, and my co-hosts this week on Connecticrats are Kayla Riasco and Jesse Schoolman. We are back. Thank you for joining us here on Connecticrats, the CT Dems podcast. It's a few days before Labor Day. We're looking at about 10 weeks to election 2022, and we're ready to drop about 10 episodes of this podcast your way to profile candidates all around the state of Connecticut. We've got a whole new roster of hosts. Mike Cerulli will be joining us on some future podcasts as well. Today, I'm joined by Jesse Skulnick, who talked to Kevin Brown, a candidate running for the State House of Representatives up in Vernon. And Kayla Riasco joined me to talk with Susan Bisowitz, Lieutenant Governor of the State of Connecticut. I don't care where you live in the state of Connecticut. Susan Bisowitz has been to your town. As Lieutenant Governor, before that, she was Secretary of the State. Before that, she was a member of the Connecticut General Assembly. Susan has been uh, extremely active and knows every corner of the state inside out. That'll be evident as Kayla and I talk to her. She is, of course, on the ticket with Governor Ned Lamont. She talks at great length about what the Lamont Bicewitz administration has been doing and wants to do in the years ahead. So we'll start it off with Kayla and I chatting with Lieutenant Governor of the state of Connecticut, Susan Bicewitz. Thanks, Susan, um, for taking the time to chat with us. Um, my one question, or my starting question, I should say, is what's different in this campaign in 2022 compared to 2018? Well, there are so many things <laughs> that are different. Um, so I'll start with this. I think the fiscal health of our state is so much better today than it was when we won the election in 2018, because when the governor and I took the oath of office um, almost four years ago, we were looking at a $4 billion deficit. And today we have a rainy day fund that is approaching $4 billion. We have had four balanced budgets without raising taxes. We have paid down $5.2 billion of pension debt, and we have provided the biggest tax cut in the history of our state, more than $600 million to the families that need it the most. So I would say what's different about um, our state is its fiscal health. Uh, and we uh, we managed to do that with uh, collaboration with our legislative partners and our federal delegation while negotiating and fighting through a global pandemic. There's been a lot. There's been a lot. There's been a lot. Let's just say the least. Uh, yeah, it's been an active four years. Yes, it's been so. So I think the other big thing that strikes me to your question, Kayla, is what's different today is that today we have a United States Supreme Court that has invalidated 50, almost 50 years of settled law. And that is, um, it has overturned Roe versus Wade. Um, and that is just catastrophic for 
the people of our state and our country. Now, in our state, many people know, but some do not, that we have a Roe versus Wade law in our state statutes, right? But I will tell you that when Roe was overturned by the Dobbs case in June, hospitals and healthcare providers were receiving calls from people, women in Connecticut, who, you know, were confused, wanted to know uh, what they should do, uh, and didn't know what that meant. And so uh, I think that is the biggest change. Uh, In addition to our Connecticut comeback in terms of our fiscal health, um, but our reproductive health care is literally on the ballot in November. So far around the state, uh, you've hosted two uh, rallies around abortion rights issues. There's more coming up, right? So uh, one was in eastern Connecticut and then yep. uh, one very close to your, close to your heart in Middletown. Yep. And then uh, we got one coming up soon, right? So we have one, and we invite anybody who's interested. Absolutely. Um, September 24th at 10 a.m. It's a Saturday, and we will be gathering with leaders from across the 1st Congressional District. It'll be at the Town Hall in West Hartford. We invite anyone who would like uh, to join. And we will have Senator Blumenthal. We will have Congressman Larson, a host of Democratic mayors and first selectmen. Um, and also legislative candidates and elected officials. Um, And I think uh, that these rallies have attracted so many people because uh, voters understand that reproductive freedom is on the ballot. Uh, And I want to say that there is a huge difference between our team and the other team. Uh, I think the voters of Connecticut can trust our team to protect reproductive freedom. Uh, We have had a long record of advocacy. Um, The governor uh, a couple of months ago signed into law the Reproductive Freedom Act that ensures that women from outside of Connecticut, where abortion is now illegal, because so many states have passed trigger laws, could come to Connecticut, receive this critical health care, and not have to worry about being prosecuted. And even more important, health care providers who give mm-hmm. that care do not have to fear that they will become felons. Uh, and, and, you know, thank you to the uh, Reproductive Health Caucus in our legislature. Uh, led by Jillian Gilcrest, state representative of West Hartford, and uh, also um, our friend, uh, state representative Matt Blumenthal. They authored that law, and uh, the governor and I were proud to have that signed into state law. And I think it's important to point out that one thing I know from being in the state legislature and being secretary of the state is that every legislative session, there are bills 
that seek to overturn our Roe versus Wade law or to weaken it. So back to my point about what's the difference between our team and the other team. Here's the difference that I have said, and the governor has said, that you can count on us to stand up and fight any attack on our Roe versus Wade law. The other team has said, and, and our opponent has said for governor, that, oh, we, we're good. We have a law. No, we're not good. Right. We're not good because that law is in jeopardy always when the legislature is in session. And as a matter of fact, our opponent has even suggested that we weaken our Roe versus Wade law. So in my estimation, you are not pro-choice unless you stand up and say you will fight any attack on our law. Our opponent has not said that. And our opponent does not have the track record to back up what he says when he claims to be pro-choice. Um, I have a record of legislative votes and a record of public advocacy, uh, as does the governor. So I think it's important as voters get ready for this election to ask their state rep candidates, their state senate candidates, um, their candidates for uh, Congress and for the state Senate and for statewide constitutional office where they stand, because this is to your to your question at the beginning, Kayla. This is, I think, a defining issue and one that goes beyond women's reproductive health care, because Dobbs was very clear if you read the decision that marriage equality uh, is on the chopping block. The right to contraception is on the chopping block. Interracial marriage, things that have long been in our uh, federal constitutional law are now in jeopardy. We'll be back with more from Susan Bysowitz. But first, let's kick it over to Jesse Skulnick and his chat with state representative candidate Kevin Brown. I'm here with Kevin Brown, who's running for state representative in the 56th district to replace retiring uh, representative Mike Winkler. Kevin, welcome to the show. Glad to have you here. Uh, can you tell a little, a little bit about yourself and uh, why you're running for state representative? Well, uh, first, thank you, Jesse, for having me on the program here. It's good to be with you. Um, as you said, I'm running to fill the seat of retiring state representative in the 56th district, Mike Winkler. Uh, I've got some huge shoes to fill there, um, but you know I, I'm going to work as hard as I can to get there. I'm running because I'm a, a concerned citizen, is how I like to put it. I'm a, a father, I'm an educator, uh, I'm a coach, and all of those capacities have, have made me realize how important it is to be active in one's community. Um, and Five years ago, that led me to running for the Vernon Board of Education. And in my time there, I feel like I've done some good to improve our schools and, and do good for the, the children and the families of this community. And now I'm looking to take that same level of commitment and effort to the legislature to make sure that you know all people 
in the Vernon Rockville community, which makes up the 56th district, their voices are heard and that the state of Connecticut gives our community what it needs to be a thriving place to live and grow and raise a family. And so, you know, I, I want to make sure that our our town, our community, the 56th district and the state of Connecticut keep moving in a forward direction uh, and that we make sure that we're being equitable and fair for all of all of our families, all the people that that make this community a great place to be. You mentioned a little bit about uh, being a coach and being on the Board of Education. Can you go a little more into some of the ways you've been serving the community right now and, and how that experience has, has changed you over the last uh, five, six years or so? Yeah, sure. As I said before, I've been serving on the Board of Education for five years. I've used my experience as a classroom teacher, a high school social studies teacher for uh, 17 years now, uh, put that experience to use in trying to drive a district. Um, and then also I've been a youth sports coach. I've, I've coached in the Vernon Rockville Little League, Vernon Soccer Club, Vernon Parks and Rec Basketball League, and as well as a, a smattering of other uh, local youth sports programs. And in doing that, it's given me an opportunity to not just, not just deal with my own children, but to meet children and families from across our community which has given me given me insight into what the needs of this community are. Uh, it's a, a great place to be, but it, it can use help uh, from the state, and it, it could use a strong voice that is going to be advocating for the needs of all people. Again, and for me, everything comes back to equity, as I, I will stress over and over again. Well, I think that's great because one of the problems we, we face, I think, here in Vernon, where I live as well, is that... There's a lot of folks who have not had children in school uh, for a, for a long time. Uh, people who just haven't been dealing with some of the issues that I think a lot of the folks in town are dealing with. So I think it's great having uh, someone like you running who is not just saying they're going to do something. They're involved. They're actively there. Uh, they are. They're talking to talk and they're walking the walk. And it's, it's very important. Uh, one of the things that has been driving me crazy over the last. Uh, well, I guess last nearly decade now is that this country is really divided. Uh, in your view, what's the most? In, what are the most important issues facing our country, and specifically the state? And, and what can you do to, to make a difference if elected? Well, that's a great question, Jesse. And you know, I couldn't agree more that this country has become you know, hyperpartisan and, and very divided. What I say to that is that gets us nowhere. What we need to get back to is understanding that we are not enemies of each other, Republican, Democrat, or anywhere in between. We're, as they used to say, the loyal opposition. That doesn't make us enemies. We are all Americans. We are all nutmeggers here in the state of Connecticut, regardless of what our political differences may be. And we would find that if we actually put those things aside for a few moments, we could get something done. And it would be to the, the benefit of the majority of people. And I will use, and I've been using on the campaign trail, the example of my experience on the Vernon Board of Education. One of the things that I'm most proud of in my service on the board is how bipartisan we're able to be. You know, we get caught up in the national level politics or even state level politics where the, the, the divisiveness, the vitriol that comes from either side, it seems that politicians of all sides retreat to their corners and refuse to work across the aisle because for party principle. But I think some of that gets 
you know, blown out of proportion by media, et cetera, where, you know, it's made to look worse than it really is or should be. Because down at the local level, right, the grassroots of our government, you've got a lot of boards and councils and commissions across this state and across this nation that probably are working together. And the Vernon Board of Education is a great example of that. We really have checked political positions at the door, egos at the door, and gotten down to business of what is best for kids? What is best for the students in our district? How can we problem solve together? How can we find solutions that work to the benefit of the most amount of students possible? And we get it done. And there's, there's not a lot of fighting. There's not a lot of arguing. There's not a lot of hateful rhetoric being thrown back and forth. We actually get the job done that we need to do. And so I've seen it done at the local level. And to me, I don't see any reason why if we don't try, we couldn't also do that at the state legislative level or at the, the national level as well. I think we have it in us. It's certainly something worth working towards if we really want to live up to the ideals that this country was founded on. And we owe it to ourselves as a nation, as a state, to, to try to serve the needs of the, the most amount of people. Right. Uh, you know, the the average American really is somewhere in between and we owe it to them to try to meet them where they are and problem solve together. Well, I think that's great because we all see how much time gets wasted at the federal level, uh, how much back and forth there is. But when it comes to the state positions, we're not just running against each other. We're a, we're a community and we, we, we all want what, what should benefit the community because uh, what, what's good for my town is good for a Republican and is good for a Democrat. It shouldn't matter. So I really like hearing that point of view from you. Uh, I, I know you've been out there pounding the pavement like any good candidate uh, would be all summer, meeting the people of Vernon, knocking on doors, making phone calls. What are you hearing from people that you meet, whether it's at the grocery store or when you knock on their door? What are the issues that are important to them? Sure. And that's, you know, that's the heart of it all, right, is finding out what matters to the people that live in the district, the people who live in this state. The biggest concern, uh, as you might imagine, is the economy, right? People, that's where the rubber meets the road, so to speak, of people living their lives, right? They go to the gas station and it costs more. They go to the grocery store and it costs more. Their utility bills have gone up. So it's these economic issues that seem uh, to be the common refrain when I'm talking to people and when I'm out on the doors. And, you know, I can understand it. I, I'm not immune to it. I, I see the rise in those costs as well. Um, but I think that if we're doing what we should, we are, are seeking to find ways that we can mitigate that, right? Some of the issues, you know, for in my case, running for a state legislative seat, Many of these economic issues come down from the federal level, but we have the ability to find ways to mitigate that here more locally. Um, and, and that's what you know. I keep telling the people is that you know don't give up hope. And um, you know there are things that can be done, and that the, the legislators can and, and should, and, and hopefully will do that will put some more money back in people's pockets. And so I look to, for example, the, the governor's suspension of the gasoline tax this spring. Um, you know, those are ways that we can help the, the average common person uh, in our communities that's suffering from the, the extra costs that, that come along with the inflation that we're seeing. 
You know, as someone who's run for uh, office before at the local level, I know that sometimes the process seems like it's never going to end. But we look at the, the calendar, and there's only two and a half months left. And that really will go by in in the blink of an eye. It's going to be here before you know it. So with, with only a few weeks left, and I can't believe I'm saying a few weeks, but with only a few weeks left, if you wanted to tell the voters just one thing and have them know one thing about you and your campaign before uh, they vote in November, what would it be? Well, you know, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to to put this out there, Jesse. So thank you. The number one thing that I would tell any voter here in the Vernon 56th district would be that I am a listener. My number one goal in, in dealing with constituents in this community is to listen. When I go to their door, when I meet them out in the community, when they're talking to me, my job is to listen. And so I will make no promises. As they say, politicians shouldn't make promises because they are hard to keep. But the one promise that I do make is that I will always listen. I will always give the opportunity for you to make your case and to explain to me what's important to you. I may not always agree with you, we may have to agree to disagree in the end. However, I'm going to give you the chance to, to make your case. I'm always going to be willing to listen. My, my ears are open. My mind is open. I want to know what you have to say and what you feel, think, or believe. And that's kind of my, my motivation behind this is in representing the people, you've got to know what they, what they think and what matters to them. And so I'm always going to be willing to listen. And if I'm elected, that's what I will stand by. Well, Kevin, it was great having you on the show today. I really appreciate you coming on and talking to our listeners and letting them know a little bit about you. I, I wish you nothing but good luck and success and hope in in little little more than a few months that we can call you uh, Representative Kevin Brown instead of just old-fashioned Kevin Brown. So good luck this November. Well, thank you, Jesse. Appreciate the opportunity to come on the show here. We now return to the second half of our chat with Lieutenant Governor Susan Beisowitz. I think everybody is feeling squeezed um, when they uh, go to the gas pump, when they go to the grocery store, they get their electric bill in the mail and hold their breath. Um, it's It's been a lot and there's been a lot of supply chain issues as well. Uh, and so... Um, the governor and I have tried to target relief to the people who need it the most. So um, our motor vehicle tax uh, cuts were targeted to the 70 towns with the highest mill rates to try to give some relief. Um, the property tax expansion, tax credit expansion was from uh uh, was was expanded by $100 so that um, more than a million people will be affected by that uh, because really the property tax and the motor vehicle tax are perhaps the most regressive taxes that we have. And also, um, as we speak here today, child tax rebate checks are going out to families, $250 per child, um, up to three children from infants all the way up to 18 years old. So that 
250, 500 or $750 could be a huge help as kids get ready for school. Um, or it could be, you know, several trips to the grocery store or, you know, money to pay um, some utility bills. Um, it is uh, really important. And I want to thank Sean Scanlon, who is our candidate for state controller, who um, put that initiative forward when, and you mentioned our federal delegation, Rosa DeLauro has been a mm. champion for the uh, earned income tax credit for, for families. And when that ran out, we wanted to try to do something uh, to help families. And so that's where the child tax rebate idea came from. And we're really uh, excited that several hundred thousand families are, are benefiting from that, also from the gas tax holiday. And I, yesterday I tweeted a picture. I was in Willimantic and I've seen, tell me if you, if you've seen cheaper gas, I saw um, a station in Willimantic that was selling gas for $3 and 74 cents a gallon. So I had to stop. And I, I will say if there's anyone that knows like the crisscrossing across the state and gas prices, it will be you, <laughs> governor. <laughs> <laughs> the one to know all the gas, like you are everywhere. I know. She's I nice, so it's gas buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should make an app. I got to take a picture of this and tell everybody where this is. <laughs> well, let, me, let me just circle back and summarize that right there. Cause you kind of went through a lot, but you're talking about a hundred million dollars in car tax uh, cuts across the state. You're talking about a property tax cut to a million people at a hundred bucks each. It's another hundred million dollars. Yeah. Tax relief right there. You're talking about the child tax rebate. That's going to add up. It's estimated. It's, it's you know, jury's still out, but around $92 million. You yep. know, if you want it to round, it's another 100, but we'll leave it at 92. And the gas tax cut at 25 cents a gallon, every gallon from when it was initiated all the way through the end of this year is just huge. And there's free buses and other things. So that all together is like 300 or so. And that's not even half of it. So a lot of money is going back to Connecticut families. And um, uh, it's, it's, incredible to do that on top of the pay downs in debt. So uh, just to reiterate, I mean, those you're talking about saving what, $450 million a year every year for the next 20 years because that debt is lower? Yep. So that's $448 million a year. Yeah. So that could be either for their tax cuts, for their pay down of debt. Okay. It could be investments in education, uh, infrastructure. Um, that is huge. And I've been in government for more than two decades, and I've never seen us pay down debt uh, like that. Incredible. So this is really important also because it's a pension debt for teachers and for uh, state employees. And, you know, as we talk to voters, I'm amazed that um I go door knocking with state representative and state Senate candidates and voters will tell us, you know, don't, don't send me a check for $50, pay the debt down. And I think families understand this, right? You try to pay down your mortgage. If you ever have a little bit of extra money or you want to try to pay down your credit card debt, they get it. They get it. And um, we um, are hearing from voters about, you know, how pleased they are that, that the state's finally in a position to do that. 
you are out there all the time with uh, uh, state rep candidates and state Senate candidates. Um, can, can you just highlight a few races that you think are sort of key races uh, going on around the state at the legislative level? Absolutely. So I am predicting that we are going to have um, three new women in the state Senate. We'll start in the state Senate because that's where I preside on the right. uh, Kamala Harris um, <laughs> Uh, you know, at the right. at vice president rules uh, over the U.S. Senate or presides right. over the U.S. Senate. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that. So I am looking forward to seeing uh, Lisa Thomas uh, be yeah. elected. She's the uh, head of the town council in in Coventry. And uh, she came within a whisker mm. of winning uh, the state Senate race last time that covers a big swath of eastern Connecticut towns from Vernon to Coventry, all the way over to uh, Brooklyn and Woodstock, <laughs> a huge number of towns. But um, I expect that she will win. Also, Martha Marks, who is running for um, a seat in southwestern and southeastern Connecticut, excuse me, that's was held by Paul Formica. Paul Formica is retiring. And she again came uh, within a few hundred votes of winning. And um, I expect to see Martha there and also Cece Marr. Cece is running for the seat that Will Haskell is leaving uh, to go to law school. And so there are at least uh, three uh, new state senators that I think uh, that we will be seeing. I have to say, uh, while we're talking about door knocking, I've been so impressed with how many doors Paul Honig has been knocking on uh, in Northwestern Connecticut. And, um, you know, there are so many state rep uh, candidates. Um, and since I'm um, looking at Kayla right here and talking with Kayla Riasco, I have to give a shout out to Andre Baumgartner, who uh, <laughs> is, nice. is running to, um, I think, to win the seat that Joe Delacruz is leaving. Uh, in the Grattan Stonington area. It redistricted, but yeah, same seat redistricted, no longer has been. I know there's been some adjustments. Um, <laughs> also, um, there's a couple of other people. Kim Becker is, is running and she's knocked on over 3,000 doors. Um, wow. Kim is running in the East Granby, uh, Granby area. Good for her. Um, and another really hardworking candidate is Jack Fazzino yes. in Berlin and Southington. He's been um, just out there knocking doors and, and uh, burning shoe leather. So uh, I think that's the best way uh, for state legislative candidates to win is to go out and, and talk to voters. Andre posted a, a social media post uh, a couple of days ago in which he was holding up his lit and uh, he said, no, he knocked on the door. Someone was like, are you selling solar panels? Are you, uh, you know, here for like, you know, and then looked at the lit and was like, wait, that's you. <laughs> All of a sudden you got that opening to talk. Yeah. They think we're selling vacuums and um, right, right. selling knife sets and uh, no, but it's also door knocking uh, to what the Lieutenant governor just touched on is a way for candidates to go back and learn on issues that not only their neighbors care about, but also um, things that they can continue to push when, you know, God willing, they get to Hartford and issues that reflect the district they're running in. You don't know what 
the district is until you knock it. And um, I think that it, it's an awesome way to, for voters to get out there and also for residents, your average Joe to get involved and learn about their candidates is if they go straight to their door, because those are the folks that are not going to go to a DTC meeting, a Democratic Town Committee meeting or their town council public meetings. Those are the, the folks you want to talk to. Absolutely. And um, I had to chuckle when you said solar panel uh, salesman or, or selling vacuum cleaners. You know, uh, I always would get a kick out of you know, door knocking, and there would be this split second where people are trying to figure out, okay, is she a Jehovah witness? <laughs> Why is she, <laughs> what is she selling? Why is she at my door? <laughs> um, but to Kayla's point, um, you have great conversations with people to learn about what they care about, what their priorities are. And this is the best thing. I got some incredibly good ideas for legislation as I talked to voters. So one example is the first bill I did when I was in the legislature was about making daycare safer. Um, I'll never forget this. I knocked on the door of a woman who told me that her grandchild was killed in the parking lot of a daycare center. And she said, Susan, when you get elected, I want you to do something about it. And I just thought, oh my goodness, you know? And so um, right after I got elected, she called me and I said, yep, I'm, I, I said, I don't know what the bill is going to be, but I'm going to, I'm going to put one in and we're going to try to work on it. And that was my first bill and it passed and it required more adult supervision at daycare centers. So you will, you will literally get life-saving ideas <laughs> when you door knock. Yeah. And speaking of families and issues, I do want to say that I think that you and Governor Lamont are some of the biggest cheerleaders for our state. I think when the other team wants to go negative and talk about all the bad things and all the reasons that people don't like Connecticut, you and the governor do such a great job at being our cheerleaders and making young families like me and Andre one day want to stay and have kids and raise them here. Um, so I do want to thank you for that because I think going back to all the work you've done, um, that is something to, to give a shout out to. Um, and is there anything that, you know, any conversations with young families that you have at the doors or at events? Yeah. So uh, I'll tell you, and I think you, Andre and I have even had this conversation about um, the need for um, affordable housing mm. in our state. Um, and I know, you know, so good news about the pandemic is our state was very safe. Um, and so many people came to our state 50,000 plus new families came to our state because they rediscovered how beautiful it is here, how safe it was. We had one of the highest vaccination rates. We opened businesses safely. Schools were open. So people came here in droves. And that has resulted in one of the hottest real estate markets in the country that we have. But it's also made it difficult for families who are trying to buy a house or especially in, in your part of the state, Kayla, Eastern Connecticut, it, they need um, affordable housing, all kinds of housing. There's such um, a decrease, there's, there's not enough homes for people. And so um, we've really tried to focus on affordable housing initiatives and um, incentives for um, housing to be built near 
um, railway stations and public transportation. So um, we think that that is really, really important. So I was just in a Willimantic yesterday to show um, a beautiful uh, sort of mixed use project um, that was going to be affordable units of beautiful housing over retail space, taking a historic building in downtown Willimantic that's been sitting in disrepair, renovating it so there'll be businesses on the bottom, affordable housing um, in the second and third floors. And right across the street, there's beautiful market rate housing that's being uh, renovated. So I think this is an exciting time in our state. We've had the opportunity to invest in communities and we've done a lot of investment in New London with the state pier where in a couple of years, uh, we're going to have a lot of wind energy that will make us 93% carbon free. Uh, and all you have to do is go to downtown New London to see all the great uh, work there. There's, um, there's a historic building that has just been turned into housing for college students in downtown New London. There are new um, apartment buildings uh, being built there. We've got a lot of really, uh, oh, and the, let's not forget about the Coast Guard Museum. Right. And downtown New London, all kinds of great stuff happening. Our hidden gems. Connecticut is growing. Businesses are moving here. Fortune 500s. Small businesses are opening at an incredible rate. People are moving into Connecticut. Our population is growing while paying down those debts, delivering historic tax cuts. It's uh, an amazing time. And you and Governor Lamont have done a great job. Thank you for joining us here today. And um, we'll see you out on the campaign trail. Yes, you will. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Well, that was a lot of fun chatting with Susan Beisowitz and uh, Jesse's talk with Kevin Brown was also fantastic. There are a ton of candidates out there, of course, and we'll be doing our best over the next 10 weeks to bring them to you here on Connecticut's the CT Dems podcast. If you want to get out and help these candidates win, because let's face it, that's kind of what it's all about. You can do so by checking out mobilize.us, M-O-B-I-L-I-Z-E.us. It is a website that'll that'll show you literally hundreds of ways you can pitch in and help Democratic candidates in your area. Or you can just go to ctdems.org and look for our events page there. It'll redirect you and let you know everything you can do to help out. Uh, there are all kinds of events every weekend. You know, we've got a uh, Labor Day around the corner, the big parade in Newtown, along with parades all over the state. But more than just parades, we'll also be door knocking and making calls and letting people know absolutely everything we can about the Democratic ticket and the amazing candidates that we're putting forward. Again, thanks for listening. Next week, we'll be back with a talk with Governor Ned Lamont. Look forward to that one. And uh, we'll see you next time on Connecticut's, the CT Dems podcast. Mm-hmm.